We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. And today we've got a a special broadcast for you. Uh, It is another edition of our Irish crossover, but for the first time this season, uh, we are going to talk about the Notre Dame men's basketball season. And with me today uh, from the South Bend Tribune and the insider, Mr. Tom Noy. How are you doing, sir? You are one brave man, Vince D'Addario, to be talking college basketball on Football National Signing Day. I what know. What are you doing? I we're know. Talking hoops. I know, right? We're, we're, you know, we think outside the box over here at IB. So, you know, we figure you probably got the day off. You got nothing to do. You're not talking Notre Dame football, right? No, no football for me. <laughs> That's no right. No football for me. I, the, the guys I saw at the game last night, Tim Priester, Patrick Angle, I said, have fun with that football stuff on Wednesday. Yeah. I'm not doing any of it. Yeah, smart man. Way to stay out of the fold, let me tell yep. you. Um, but let's talk some Notre Dame hoops. It has been it's been quite a ride. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Um, the, the the season, obviously with COVID and everything, we, we didn't really know what we were gonna see. You didn't get a chance to go to practice like you normally do. Um, but look, let's just start from there. So Notre Dame starts off. Two and six in the conference, five and nine overall. And it, from an outsider's perspective, it just felt like they just couldn't score the basketball. And 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 Mike Bray tried to, you know, put the, the quote unquote blue team as the, <laughs> as, as the starter starting five, which lasted all of about two minutes before he sent the starters to the uh, scores table. Uh, but just give me your overall thoughts on kind of how this season started, how Mike Bray has reacted. 
and then we'll kind of get into some some more specifics as we as we move forward. It was going to be really really hard for this program and this group of guys to kind of hit the ground running because if there's one thing about this Notre Dame men's basketball program, it's built on continuity. Right. And, and yeah, they had those they had that junior class. This core has been together for 3 years now, but for this core to do what it was supposed to do from the jump against Michigan State, against Ohio State, against Duke and Virginia, the first two ACC games yeah. on the box as it was, they had to play together in the summer. Like it, that that core, you were going to have Juwan Durham in a new role as a main guy, as a major minute guy starter. Nate Lashevsky in a main role, in a bigger role this year. Bringing Cormac Ryan is in as, as, a grad, as a transfer from Stanford. That was going to take time for these guys to play together in the spring, to play together in the summer. Like the best indication that I get usually what this basketball team is going to be about is in June and July when I can go over there on campus and right. watch them play pickup during Mike Bray's summer camps where you're like, okay, now I see how the pieces fit. Cormac Ryan, I like him defensively, maybe offensively. He's going to like you're able you're able to, to get a lot of stuff and draw a lot of conclusions from the summer workouts. They didn't have that. They didn't have the spring. They really didn't have much of early fall. Right. When we came back to campus. So it was almost like it, it was it was good news and bad news. It was it was good that Mike Bray wanted to challenge these guys by going out and playing Michigan State, by wanting to play Tennessee before that game got canceled because of COVID. That was good. That was going to keep these guys together and keep them motivated. But it was bad because they didn't have any exhibitions. Like they, they didn't have any time to work through anything. Like, here you go, go up to Breslin Center and start playing uh, against a, a Michigan State team that that night – look like they were a Final Four team. Like, little did we know that now we're sitting here on February 2nd, February 3rd, and Notre Dame has twice as many league wins <laughs> as Michigan State. Yeah, but right. We, we, didn't see, we didn't see that the first night out. So it was going to be hard for this team to kind of find itself and work through some of the issues that they were going to have to work through. I think just now, and we're what, 15, we're 16 games in, I think just now they're st they're finally starting to settle down and say, all right, this is what we have. This is how the pieces fit. Let's go out and, and get after some people uh, in the ACC. Now, I, since we haven't done this all season, I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, you know, since they didn't have the summer, they didn't have the spring, didn't have much of a fall. How did you feel about the, the schedule that Mike Bray put together and and the rough road that it was at the beginning of the season? I mean, that was that was murderer's row for a while. It, it was going to be hard because there was never any time that you could say, all right, we're going to get our we're going to get our backsides handed to us by team A, B, or C. But the good news of that would be we can go home and play a bottom feeder type of team and get some confidence going and win by twenty and play a lot of guys and have a guy like Juwan Durham get a little bit more confident around the bucket playing against some of the size that he played against. Like Juwan Durham, here you go. You're a main guy now in this in this rotation this season. But you're going to play your first handful of games against Michigan State, Purdue, Duke, Ohio State. Yeah. Good luck with that. Right. Like there, was, there was never any time where you could just say, all right, we're just going to roll the ball out and we're going to win by 20 and we're going to play a lot of guys and we're going to be able to tinker with the rotation because you look up, they, they, they had it handed to them down in Indianapolis against Purdue on December 12th. 
I forget what day it was. It was the same day as the ACC national, the ACC football championship game. Yeah. Well, so you get beat by Purdue and you get beat badly by Purdue. But instead of coming home and saying, all right, we've got a couple of non-conference games we can work through, you got to play against Duke. Yeah. When Duke wasn't struggling as much as they're struggling now. So it, it's, it was great that they had the schedule that they had. I think they needed that for motivation early in the season. But if you weren't going to have success early, you weren't going to find any much success along the way because there wasn't any time to where you could kind of just catch your breath and say, yeah, yeah we got this. Right. They, they just didn't have that. Right, and they and they didn't have that opportunity, like you said, to kind of tinker with the rotation and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, who because you know one of the criticisms of Mike Bray all along is that he doesn't usually have a very long bench. He was forced to play some guys that he probably wasn't expecting to play there early on, and then you've got two transfer guys in Cormac Ryan, Trey Wirtz, who who was deemed eligible at you know the twelfth hour or the eleventh hour or whatever how whatever the phrase is, and uh, I mean that adds some more intrigue to what the rotation is. I guess I want to hear your thoughts on on the two transfer guys and, and kind of how they're fitting in uh, with the current team. It, it, the, the the struggles that both Trey Words and Cormac Ryan had or are at some point in some cases are still having, understandable. Yeah. Because the West Coast Conference where Trey Words played last year at Santa Clara, that's not the Atlantic Coast Conference. The Pac-12, yeah, Pac-12's okay, but again, it's not the ACC. And Cormac Ryan has kind of learned to adapt and adjust his game to where it's taken him – it's going to take him a 12 games to kind of figure everything out. Okay, I can shoot this. I don't have to – I don't always have to move it and find a really, really good shot. I can take a really good shot. And that's what we've seen the last couple of games with Cormac Ryan to where he had 19 – season high 19 against Pittsburgh. And then he came back and had like 13 last night against Wake Forest to where he now understands where he fits in the offense. Same thing with Trey Wirtz. Like if Trey Wirtz had been eligible from the jump, I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if this season would be any different. Maybe they, they, they'd be, they'd have won a game or two more than what they had. But I think Trey Wirtz is finally starting to figure it out as well to where Mike and Mike Brace figuring out how he can use Trey Wirtz as more of a secondary handler. And Prentice Hub, one of the reasons Prentice Hub's been playing well these last couple of games, he's been able to get off the ball, bring Trey Wirtz in to initiate the offense and got to get 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 this team into some stuff to where Prentice Hub doesn't have to feel like he has to do everything. So the adjustment was going to be rough given the 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 level of competition early and just given the fact again, there is so much stock put in from this program, Vince, in the offseason. Like, yeah. get get those five guys, get the five main guys, lock them in a gym somewhere, and just let them run dummy offense for a couple hours to where they're just moving and cutting, and they feel like they know they know what what they're doing, what the other guy's doing sure. before they do it. This year, at the start of this year, it just looked like five guys thrown together in a pickup game. I want to ask you about Cormac Ryan because it appears as though he's kind of settled in as that sixth man coming mm-hmm. off the bench, doing his thing. Uh, you said he's finding his shot a little bit more. You think that's a good spot for him, kind of that that sixth man role? It is, and Mike Bray likes it because well, one thing with Cormac Ryan is he's always been able to guard, and he has really since, since the jump this season. I think he's he was still trying to figure out where am I going to get shots? Like where where do I fit in the offense? 
And understandably so, when he was a starter at Michigan State, it might have been a little too much for him too early because it was like, okay, now how do I – I want to be the fit-in guy. I don't want to yeah. be the weak link. You know, I want to – I've got an open shot, but maybe if I move it to Nate Lashevsky, he's going to have a better shot. Or I'm going to try to dump it down to Juwan Durham. So it, it's just the adjustment that a transfer goes through in this program to where how do I best fit my game with the guys that I have around me it was a struggle for Cormac early, playing major minutes the way he did. Like he played what 26, 27 minutes a game at Stanford, tops. Yeah. When he when he played, and that was a that was two years ago. Like he sat out last year. Right. This year, he was playing like 35 minutes from the jump. And I think that was maybe too much for him too early to where he had to kind of pull back a little bit and just be like, all right, I'll be the sixth man. I'll be the instant offense guy. You talk to Cormac after games when we've had him on zoom and he's just been like, look, I just want to do whatever I can to help this team win, whether it's coming off the bench, whether it's playing major minutes, whether it's playing fewer minutes, whatever I need to do. And I think he's found himself a nice little role here as, as the leader of the, the, the blue team, the second team to where he's really comfortable and it shows the last two games. Yeah, that's great. And that, and I think that's, that's something Notre Dame needed. They needed that spark off the bench. And he's a scrapper, man, when he gets in there. I, I love watching him play on the defensive end, too. Uh, I, like you said, he can guard people, uh, and he's not going to quit on that side of the ball. So he's fun to watch, period. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I want to ask you also about uh, Nate Lashevsky and kind of his maturation process up to this point. Did you did you see this one coming? Uh, are you surprised that he's the leading scorer on this team? Um, has he kind of found his niche and his role? And I realize he's the leading scorer, but still there's some times where he's, he's knocking him down from three, sometimes where he's, you know, dominant in the paint. Has he kind of found, you know, where he is the most comfortable in this offense? As the Notre Dame men's basketball beat writer, I have to say, absolutely, I saw this coming. <laughs> we knew it all along that this was going to be Nate Lashevsky. He was going to be leading the ACC in field goal percentage and leading the ACC in three-point percentage. No, I mean, we we knew that we knew that Nate Lashevsky was going to make a jump, but the yeah. jump that he's made this year, I think, is a little larger than 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 what we expected, and maybe Mike Bray expected because he didn't have. Again, we go. It goes back to the offseason. He didn't have his guys around him to work with in the offseason. So when when Nate Lashevsky walked back in the door for the first time in like five months, even Mike Bray would look at him and was like, "Whoa." Like you, you've got shoulders, you've got a, you've got an ACC type of body to where he's not going to be pushed around as he, as he was in the paint, maybe the first couple of years. So just a solid season for Nate Lashevsky. I think, I think where Nate Lashevsky has to still make that jump is he can still be a little bit more selfish, like yeah. to have selfish guys on this offense. That's okay for Mike Bray. Like Mike Bray has, has gone to, to a guy like Dane Goodwin and said, if you don't take a bad shot the first 10 minutes in practice, I'm throwing your butt out of practice. <laughs> like it's okay to, for you to go and hunt your shot and say, I'm just going to take one because that's what the guys in this offense and guys in this program have long done. And, and I think Nate Lashevsky can do a little bit more of that. Like he's still, there's still a lot of guys in this program, whether it's Nate or Cormac or Trey Wirtz or even Dane Goodwin, where they're good guys that don't want to really rock the, the the rotation boat and they don't want to feel like, okay, I'm just going to go get mine tonight. Like Nate Yoshevsky last night against Wake Forest, I wrote it down. I think he took his first shot with like four minutes left in the first half. 
Wow. I looked at, I looked at, at one point I looked at the stat monitor. I looked at the stats on my laptop and it was like seven minutes left, five, six minutes left in the first half. And it was Leshevsky zero for zero. And he's the leading scorer on Notre Dame. Like, right. Like it, they were flowing, they were flowing good. And, and they, they, they were getting stops and they were getting out and getting stuff in transition. But at some point, Nate Leshevsky has got to be like, I'm just going to go, go get something for myself. Yeah. Yeah. He played 30 minutes and only shot it six times. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's crazy to me that, that, no. that, that was the case. Um, so, so the last two games, obviously Notre Dame, they put together a two game win streak. That's a good thing. Um, and <laughs> that's a really good thing, but the, the manner in which that they've won, they beat Pitt 84 to 58, just dominated Pitt on the road. And then they beat Wake Forest 79 to 58. And I realize Wake Forest is below Notre Dame in the standings, but Pitt is above Notre Dame in the standings. What in your estimation has changed over the last two games, uh, for this Notre Dame squad? Because, it, it it just appeared before then they they couldn't score the basketball uh, for the longest stretch and now all of a sudden it's coming in bunches. You know I want to get up off my seat right now and get in a defensive stance because <laughs> that's really what's and Mike Bur- Mike Bur- we having covered this this program for the last twenty three years you kind of come back to this the this the, the same theme and the same routine of if you want to do anything in this league. And I, I'm I'm sure if I go back and look at look at my archives, I, they've 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 gone through a stretch like this when they were in the Big East. If you want to do anything in this league, first in the Big East, now in the ACC, you're going to have to get in the stance and guard somebody. You can't always. And Mike Bray's team, Mike Bray's the first to admit he'll raise his hand and say, "I've been guilty of this a lot during his 21 years at Notre Dame." Is you can't just always go out there every single night in this league and be like. Okay, we're just going to outscore you. Let's, right. go, let's let's just go put eighty on the board because the way this Notre Dame program works is you get a lot of smart guys over there in that program, and that's a good thing and it could be a bad thing because when their shots not falling, man, they dwell on that and it affects them back at the other end. To where I don't know if I want to really sit in the stance and guard and, and box out and go get a rebound because. What's going on with my shot? Why am I three of thirteen again? So Mike Bray has kind of flipped it and said, "Let's use our defense to jumpstart our offense." And you're kind of like, and you're kind of like, "Yeah, we've we've heard that before, we've seen it before, but will it last?" Like usually, it's yeah. been one game, and that game the other night it was the other game it was the other night against Pittsburgh at Peterson Event Center where you're like, "Wow, like they were able to get twenty four stop scores, which is." You get a stop on one end, you go down to the other end, you get a score. And they were really able to jump that lead against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh never really – Pittsburgh in a lot of ways played the way Notre Dame had played early in, in conference play the other night Not in that game to where Notre Dame just – like it was something we haven't seen yeah. from this core. Like, whoa. I asked Dane Goodwin after the game. I said, did, did it surprise you where you look up at the scoreboard at one point and say – are we really up 29 on the road in a league game? Right. That has that hasn't happened since the the Elite Eight days. So defensively, they were able to do it on Saturday, and I think it's now starting to snowball to where they're understanding. You know what? If we guard and we get out and, and we get we can get some stops, like it's it's so much easier for this offense to flow and roll and and, and everything. The ball's moving; it's not sticking. It's so much easier to score and generate offense 
where you're because you're not taking the ball out of the net the way they were against Duke and Virginia and Virginia Tech that first meeting at Blacksburg, Blacksburg to where they understand now if they get stops, they can get down the floor and really put the other team's defense on its heels because they're getting stops. And then when they're getting stops the way they are, man, that offense is really flowing. Well, there's no question. And you talk about what they need to do in the future. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule and it's a lot of uh, 500 and below yeah. teams in the ACC, you know, the upcoming. Of course, they've got Duke one game over 500, but they're struggling as of late. Louisville and and uh, and Florida State, obviously, they've got six wins in the league. But other than that, you're talking about 500 and below. So you've got some winnable games coming up here uh, for the Irish. What do they need to do? I mean, look. It's it's March Madness or bust, right? So what do they need to do, I guess, to get in at least get into that conversation where they they might be able to get an at large bid? Go on a serious run. Yeah. Like they, they are so far off the NCAA radar right. because of what the schedule handed them, the way the ACC schedule kind of kind of shaped shaped up to where you're playing Virginia as a back to back. You're playing Virginia Tech as a back to back. You played Duke before Duke went through any of its issues. You played at North Carolina, like you were supposed to play. You were supposed to play at Pittsburgh that that weekend in January, where that game got wiped off the schedule. You're supposed to go to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was missing its two best guys, Champagny and Audis Tony, were both out that game. So that was a game that you probably could have gotten and maybe gotten yourself some confidence. Instead, they send you to North Carolina and play uh, at the Smith Center against the Carolina team that just beats you up on the backboard. So you're what? You're four and six right now in the right. league. You've got you've got to you've still string together some wins and win some games. What what will separate this team from some of the teams in the past or in the, the, the last couple of years and put it in the conversation of a team like 2015, 2016, 2017, go win a game somewhere where nobody's expecting you to win. Saturday would be one of those games against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Georgia Tech been really good at home. They're a veteran team. They've got a lot of veteran guys. They're a great. They've got a really good backcourt. Get that one. Then go to Cameron Indoor Stadium, where you've had what you've won one game. Last year, I think you lost by what thirty-five. <laughs> you get that one, and you're able to build on that and find a way to get over five hundred in the league. Then maybe some some of the the, the selection committee members will be like, be like. Look at, look at Notre Dame. Like they're if if they can finish with double digit league wins, given what their the the strength of schedule that they played, maybe they can get into that conversation. But it's just something where even when we're sitting here on, on February third, like the NCAA tournament's closing quickly. It still seems like it's six months away, given everything that teams have to deal with sure. with coronavirus and shutdowns and pauses knock on wood Notre Dame hasn't had to do that but even Mike Bray said like Mike Bray said maybe a month ago everybody's going to get nipped in in the rear end with this like what is is it going to happen to Notre Dame or yeah. when's it going to happen to Notre Dame so the NSA tournament yeah I'd love to cover Notre Dame in the NSA tournament because I'm going to Hinkle Fieldhouse yeah and I'm I'm setting up shop at Hinkle as a member of the Gannett team I'd love to cover Notre Dame but I, I it's I, I think it's just going to be too big of a mountain to climb right now. That doesn't mean it's going; it's not going to be a successful season. Sure. Given where it was, like you start 0-5 and you can salvage 
a pretty respectable, uh, a pretty respectable conference season after starting 0 and 5. In this day and age, given where we are in college basketball and the pandemic, man, I'd take that. Yeah, absolutely. Does does 500 get them in, or do they have to be over that? Do you think? Yeah, I don't think 10 and 10 will get them in with with the way the ACC is this year. I mean, I think that's yeah, tough. The, the ACC is so down. Like like yeah. like who would have thought? And I asked this, I asked Mike Gray this last night. Who would have thought walking out of that building against Virginia Tech a week ago tonight? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That the next time Notre Dame walked out of Purcell Pavilion, they would be two league wins. Two. Two league wins away from a third place tie. That's how down the the, the ACC is. Yeah. Like Notre Dame, at one point, Notre Dame was in 15th place. Right. Now they're in 12th or 11th, but there's not a lot of separation. And Mike Gray said, even said last night, he said, you know what? You have seen first in the Big East and now in the ACC that. Things can get a little wacky come league play, and we're still a month away from the from the ACC tournament. If there is an ACC tournament, but there still could be some wacky things going on in in this league before we're done. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it's funny you bring up if there's going to be an ACC tournament because I wanted to ask you, it's more of a big picture question, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tom Izzo said that you know since since teams that are going to the NCAA tournament which by the way his team probably isn't which is <laughs> interesting but anyway they have to be tested seven times in a row or seven days in a row show mm-hmm. negative tests etc so he's saying well why are we even having conference tournaments then what are your thoughts on that i don't think there should be anywhere near a conference tournament and if if you let's 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 bring it closer to home if you're a, if you're a Notre Dame men's basketball fan imagine if you had a team this year similar to the one that won 32 and six in 2015 with Pat Connaughton and Jaron Grant, Steve Astori and Demetrius Jackson and all those guys yeah, that just kind of was ready to make that run in the NCAA tournament. Now I know a lot of it had to do with the fact that they won three games and three nights down in Greensboro and beat Duke and Carolina back to back to kind of springboard them into the NCAA tournament run. 
But if you're you you have a team that's ready to make an NCAA run, whether it's now it's this year, it's Gonzaga or Baylor or last year, if you are a fan of the University of Dayton, I'll, right. I'll raise my hand there. Like if you're a fan of those teams, do you really want your team going and playing a conference tournament and and maybe running the risk of say no say if if you're Baylor or you're Gonzaga and you go play in the in the Big Twelve or the West Coast Conference tournament and you win that tournament. Great, you win the tournament. You go to Indianapolis. Uh-oh, you got a guy that tested positive because of something that happened in the hotel room back at the conference tournament. So I understand why they want to do that, why they want to hold the conference tournaments, because of the, the television inventory and the conferences want that. But man, if the bigger, if the biggest picture of this college basketball season has to be we need an NCAA tournament. I think you have to look really hard at the at the conference tournaments and say it's just not worth it if we want to experience March Madness this year. I I just don't see how I'm not saying basketball can't survive because of course they'll survive, but two years in a row without March Madness that that's almost unthinkable, right? Yeah, you say it can survive. I don't know. I mean, it gets a, they lost six hundred million dollars last year. Yeah, no March Madness. And it's funny we're talk we're talking now uh, on Wednesday late Wednesday morning. Before I hopped on this, I just did a, a forty five minute interview with Dan Gavin, president the vice president of the NCA in charge of the NCA tournament. Yeah, and it's something where they really they really need for all parties involved. After losing six hundred million last year, they have to have this tournament and go off without a hitch in March, and to not guarantee it. But to, but to say let's let's take that variable out and, and maybe increase our odds yeah. of getting to a Final Four, of getting to a national championship game in early April, let's just skip conference tournaments because everybody has said this has not been a, tra- a traditional year in college basketball in any way, shape, or form. So if it's not been a traditional year, let's break from tradition, skip conference tournaments, mm-hmm. and put all of our resources and our efforts into making sure – that they get through an NCAA tournament. All right, last question before I ask you about recruiting. Um, if put your Notre Dame hat on, and let's say Notre Dame, I don't Dame have is- one. I don't have a Notre Dame hat. <laughs> well, if you're Notre Dame, do you need, from a competitive standpoint, do you need the ACC championship maybe to sweeten up that resume to get into the NCAA tournament potentially? You probably have to win the ACC tournament the way they're going to wind up going. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and 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 you know what? Like the, again, early February. This is a time. This if, if this was a normal college basketball year, Mike Bray would have the league standings on the board, and he would have like a breakdown of where his team needed to go and what they needed to do to give themselves a chance of hearing their name called on Selection Sunday. I don't get the sense that that he's he's anywhere close to that, and yeah. will will be anywhere close to that moving forward because. If you're involved in this sport, as I am day to day from October to November, it really is what's happening within the next 24 hours. Like everything could change and you're just sitting here thinking, OK, Notre Dame, Notre Dame has finally gotten on a roll. They've won two in a row. They've won four of their last five. They're finally feeling really good about itself. But, you know, over there in the corner you know the virus is always lurking. And, yeah. and it's just something where you just take – it literally is. 
you just take one day at a time. Like, like I've, I've done all my Georgia tech prep already this morning, but I don't know. I don't know if they're going to play a Georgia, a yeah. game against Georgia tech. Oh, and absolutely. That, that happened seven times to where I've had 500, 600 word info boxes ready to go. I've had my column ready to go. And then I get the phone call from, from Alan Wasilewski over at Notre Dame saying, yeah, the game's off tomorrow. COVID issues. So it's like, you, you just can't plan. I, you you want – look, Mike Bray will be the first guy in line to say, we really need to go to the NCAA tournament. We can't miss this thing four years in a row. But he'll also be the first guy in line to say, we can't sit here and hang our hat on something that's so far down the line because yeah. we're living day-to-day basically every single day. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. March March seems like it's right around the corner, but it also seems light years away right. just because of everything that's going on. So, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit of recruiting. Um, it, I guess it turns out that Notre Dame has a three-man recruiting class going into next year. Uh, you've got your your J.R. Konezny from, locally from uh, South Bend St. Joe. You've got Blake Wesley also locally from uh, South Bend Riley. And now you've got Paul Atkinson Jr., uh, who's going to be a graduate transfer from Yale. Uh, that was just announced today. Uh, I don't know if that was on your radar at all, but that was announced today on National Signing Day for football. Um, and and he's going to be eligible next season as well. So let's talk about Paul Atkinson, because that'll be somebody that probably people don't know as much about. What are your thoughts on him and what he brings to the table? Perfect fit. This is a guy that they've been trying to get. Not necessarily Paul Atkinson but somebody like him to where he's big, he's experienced. I think when he steps on campus, he's going to be 24 years old. Oh, wow. It's going to help Notre Dame stay old. He was the Ivy League player of the year last year. He was the Ivy League preseason player of the year before that league shut down in the fall. It's a perfect type of fit for Notre Dame because you stay old. You get a guy that's that's experienced. He's not going to be like, okay, how do I – I mean, the adjustment's always going to be – What's it going to be like to take that jump from the Ivy League to the ACC? It's sure. not easy for any transfer to do. We've seen that with Trey Wirtz and Cormac Ryan this year. But Juwan Durham's eligibility is expiring. He and Mike Bray has had the talk already with Juwan and Nick Jogo, two fifth-year guys that have said – I mean, it's the same talk that he had with, with the guys last year, John Mooney, Rex Fluger, and TJ Gibbs. Hey, guys, I love you. I really wish maybe it could could work out to where you can come back for another year, but it's time for both of you to kind of see what's out there in the next phase of your life. And and it's it's odd now because earlier in the year you're thinking, yeah, Juwan Durham can't get out the door fast enough. It was hard for him. Now you're thinking, what if Juwan Durham wanted to come back for a sixth year? Yeah, but it's 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 so hard to be in college for six years to where it's time for Juwan Durham to go. Bring in Paul Atkinson for that one year. Fit him in with a veteran group that yeah. now knows how to play together. It's going to be fun to see how Paul Atkinson fits into this, this rotation next year. He'll be a starter. He'll be a major minute guy. But it's just how does he, how quickly does he acclimate from playing against guys in the Ivy League to now playing against guys in the ACC? So the young guys that are coming in, the guys that are currently seniors in high school, you've got Konezny from St. Joe. You've got Wesley from, from Riley. I guess a, a multi-part question. First, how do you see them them fitting in, uh, you know, with this group and 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 as freshmen? Because we know Mike Bray tends to like the older guys. We know yeah. this. Um, and then, are you surprised that this recruiting class is entirely from their backyard in South Bend? 
Well, look at the guys that they're getting. Like we're both familiar with both of them. Sure. It, it's hard to look at them and say, yeah, I, I can't believe they're they were recruited by Notre Dame. Like Mike Bray, Mike Bray's thinking, okay, I need I I need to get a recruiting class, and this is this is how his recruiting philosophy has always been. I need to get guys that I know I can get. I'm not going to waste time with with, with five star guys who are going to be one and dones who are going to give us kind of a look like they did a couple of years ago with Isaiah Stewart and Cole Anthony and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, all guys that 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 were interested in Notre Dame. But at the end of the day, they weren't coming here because it takes it takes just a different type of kid that's going to accept. I have to be a basketball player and I have to be a, a student if I want to go to Notre Dame. So Mike Bray was like, okay, we're, we're going to concentrate on getting guys that we know we can get. We'll get J.R. Konezny. We'll get Blake Wesley. And those will be guys that'll be, they'll be, they'll be program guys for him. Like one and done. I know Blake Wesley has talked about being a one and done guy, but you're going to have to show a heck of a lot. And that go, again, that goes back to how are they going to fit in? That goes back to, I, I hope everything goes, gets back to normal to the point where I can go over there in June yeah. and see how they fit in because sure. that's really your first indication because you, you look right now and you know the Northern Indiana Conference, playing in the NIC and averaging 30 a night in the NIC, I don't know how far that's going to get you as a first-year guy right. in the ACC. Absolutely. Where you're playing against absolute men, you're playing against future pros, you're playing a guy. You're playing against guys that have been around the college basketball block. So, I want to see. I want to see how both of them can can play at this level in the summertime. To where, okay, Jr. Kinesny, I can see that that he has the length and he has the ability to shoot over guys with with, with the way he's going to be because he's listed as a guard, but he's going to be he, like he's a, he's he's a Nate Lashevsky type of guy at the next level. Not necessarily a power forward. But he may be six eight, six nine before all this is done. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's a guard. And the same thing with Blake, Blake Wesley. Like you look at what the backcourt is next year at Notre Dame. You're going to have Prentice Hub. Okay. Now I do have to say, we have to couch this because this off season is going to be Thunderdome as far as Notre Dame, as far as college basketball is concerned. If the one time transfer rule goes through and guys can go anywhere they want without having to sit out and be eligible immediately, like. Right now, as we sit here in February, you expect everybody that's going to – you expect everybody's coming back. Prentice Hubbard's sure. going to come back. Dane Goodwood's coming back. Nate, But you never know the way college basketball – like it's going to be so crazy next year to where you don't know. Prentice Hub may be like, yeah, I think I want to go play at uh, uh, this school. or so. Like somebody somebody may do something that's that's totally out of the blue. But if they don't, if everything stays – Blake Wesley's walking in the door at Notre Dame with Prentice Hub, Dane Goodwin, Trey Wirtz, Cormac Ryan, maybe Robbie Carmody. We don't know. So the, right there, that's five guards. Yeah. Five veteran guards, four of which have, have kind of really set what where they are in this program. So Blake Wesley's going to have to be really, really good from the jump to, to become a, a, a rotation, a main rotation guy. He has all the ability that 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 will allow him to do that, but you have to. You're gonna. He's gonna have to earn the trust and the and the the confidence from Mike Bray from 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 the get go to be like, I can trust that I can put Blake Wesley in a ball game against Virginia and yeah. he's gonna play well. 
Yeah. And that, that obviously remains to be seen. And I think that you make a really good point that June is going to be so important to this club, especially for those young guys, if they want to make any kind of dent in the rotation. I mean, it's, you know, I'm getting word that summer camps probably aren't going to happen. And, uh, you know, so who knows what it's going to be like for even the kids that are going to Notre Dame, whether they're going to be on campus or not. So Yeah, if they if they lose some, another year of summer school, mm-hmm. that that's going to set those guys back to where yes. that's why they're – Mike Bray doesn't didn't have the the confidence that that he maybe should have had in a Matt Zona or a Tony Sanders because he couldn't see what they were able to do yeah. in the time and put him into those spots. Like somebody asked me last night, why isn't Matt Zona in a game? Like they were up twenty plus, and it's like Mike Bray still likes that core rotation of six, seven. Now he's found his seven guys yep. that he really wants to roll with. Tony Sanders and, and Matt Zona, it's going to have to be next year for them. Hopefully we're not sitting here in, in February of 2022 saying uh, Blake Wesley and J.R. Knezny were really hurt because they weren't able to get to Notre Dame until August 15th or yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah, that's a that's a re- very real possibility it is. as we keep moving day to day because if you'd have told me we were still doing dealing with this a year ago, <laughs> I'd have told you were nuts. So, <laughs> you know, but here we are. Yep. Here, here we are. So. Tom, thanks for for uh, share, sharing some time with us and all of your knowledge, dropping all your knowledge bombs on us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we can always count on you for a good show. No you doubt. Got man. Great talking right. with you. Hey, thanks a lot, man. So I'm Vince Dario. That's Tom Noy. You can check out his stuff at ndinsider.com. And also, you know, pick up a newspaper. South Bend Tribune, <laughs> man. It's in my mailbox every morning. And I'm always reading what Tom Noy's got to say. So pick up a South Bend Tribune. And obviously also stay locked into irishbreakdown.com, our podcast channel, subscribe to it, our YouTube channel, subscribe to it. We got all kinds of stuff coming your way. And oh, by the way, it's Football National Signing Day. So we're going to have all kinds of info for you moving forward, podcasts, videos, uh, the, the you know stuff on the website. So stay tuned, stay locked in. And uh, of course, we'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>